This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I have concluded, if there is meaning in life, there must be meaning in suffering. Valeria interviews Randy Wren. She is a distinguished spiritual health specialist, theologian, certified counselor, and chaplain, stands as a beacon of solace and support in the realm of grief counseling. With a profound background in spiritual psychology, Randy holds two master's degrees and has undergone extensive training in rabbinical school. Her health of experience extends across various healthcare institutions in Northern California, showcasing a commitment to the well-being of others. Currently operating a private psycho-spiritual practice in Burlingame, Randy specializes in providing compassionate guidance for individuals grappling with grief, healing from trauma, despair, anxiety, isolation, anger, guilt, loneliness, and fear. She delves into the depths of the human spirit, offering expertise in finding meaning and purpose while assisting in the repair of breaches in one's soul. In the face of life's most challenging questions and moments of profound existential reflection, Randy's therapeutic approach is both empathetic and transformative. She understands that in times of grief, individuals seek not only support, but also guidance and wisdom. Randy Wren emerges as a pillar of hope, purpose, courage, and growth, demonstrating that even in the darkest moments, there is a path forward. Her belief in the transformative power of counseling is evident in her practice, where she not only addresses the immediate pain of grief, but also empowers individuals to embark on a journey of healing. Randy emphasizes the importance of tackling not only the symptoms, but also the root causes helping clients navigate the intricate layers of their emotions and experiences. A true advocate for the transformative potential within each person, Randy Wren carries the conviction that good counselors not only possess hope, but also have the ability to instill hope and foster growth in their clients. She is dedicated to the idea that something can be done, and she is committed to walking that path together with those who seek her guidance. In every session, Randy imparts not only professional expertise, but also a genuine sense of compassion and understanding. She believes in the profound impact of love and hope, considering them her greatest gifts to others. By sharing these gifts, she not only uplifts those in need, but also enriches her own life. For anyone seeking a compassionate and transformative guide through the challenges of grief, Randy Wren stands ready to provide the support, wisdom, and healing that can make a significant difference in one's journey toward hope and growth. Meet Randy at sacredspiritcounseling.com. 
Here's the interview with Randy Wren. How would you describe who you are in this very moment? I'm a seasoned spiritual health specialist, theologian, certified counselor, and chaplain. With a foundation in spiritual counseling, I've earned two master degrees and attended rabbinical school. I've served as a counselor throughout Northern California. Currently, I have a private psycho-spiritual practice in Burlingame, where I specialize in grief counseling, healing from loss, trauma, despair, anxiety, isolation, anger, guilt, and finding meaning and purpose. We focus on concerns that are rooted in existence. I provide hope, purpose, courage, and growth, which says something can be done with help, and that's hugely empowering. My belief is good counselors have hope and instill hope and growth in their clients. There is something that can be done, and we can do it together. Passing on love and hope is our greatest gift to others, and in doing so, we raise our own. My goal as a grief counselor is to help my clients acknowledge grief in a way that is not self-destructive, in a way that doesn't make them withdraw or fall into a depression so deep that they don't eat or don't attend to their lives. Before we speak about handling the holidays after loss, I wanted to begin this talk with some psychoeducation about grief. The truth is there's nothing cheerful to say about death. Death is not a story with a happy ending. Death is tragic. It robs us of the people we love. But death is also a part of life. We cannot avoid it and we cannot escape it. Death awaits us as it awaits all those we cherish. Refusing to talk about loss and mourning does not lead to healing or uplifting. It leads to confusion, isolation, and fear. After a loved one dies, healing does come. It comes with time, patience, support, love, and acceptance. It comes when we allow ourselves to feel and express the pain of our loss. The only way I know out of the darkness is a path that leads us straight through the darkness. Our memories of those we have loved and lost are the beacons that light up our way. We want to bring back the person whom we've lost and ask them to stay, if only for a minute or for an hour, to feel again their embrace, to kiss their cheek, to listen to one more word of love or kindness or wisdom or humor. Just stay. And part of the pain and paradox of living is that they did not stay, and we have to decide what to do with our grief. I have an answer to become what you have lost. For some of us, we mourn someone who never gave us the love we wanted, and so it's our task in this world to give that missing love that we did not receive to someone else so that the legacy of love not given will be love given. For others, it is all the love that we did receive, all the goodness, all the kindness, and all the wisdom. And we know a way to honor the memory of the person we have lost is to give that to someone else. What is grief? Grief is the overwhelming storm like a tornado or an earthquake that rocks your world so much that you lose your bearing and ability to be happy about anything. You wonder what life is really worth. You wonder whether you can carry on in the face of it. It's like an earthquake. 
We think we never want to enjoy life again. We never want to sit down to a holiday meal. We never want to because we lost this person who meant everything to us. And yet we have to. And the first thing we usually do when we come back from the cemetery is to have a meal with others who we might not necessarily want to see. But it's a way of yanking us back into life precisely because we don't want to be yanked back into life. Almost everyone I've counseled through this process is astonished at how powerful it is and what deep wisdom it holds, its depth, its meaning. We ask, what are we supposed to do at a time of meaninglessness and chaos, which is what death is? We all need a structure that allows us to hold on. How do we hold on? We need guardrails. We all need an instruction manual for suffering and pain, a map, if you will, to make the journey less terrifying. We need guidance and support, a space for paying attention to our feelings and perceptions. Healing is possible even in the most difficult situations, but we must have the courage to grieve fully, to use, to learn our grief to expand rather than contract our world. It's not about erasing pain. It's about moving to another place so that our perspective on the loss in our life and the nature of being human shifts in such a way that enables us to once again embrace life, to write a new contract with life. We have to if we are going to survive the trauma of our losses. The benefit of living in a world that is comfortable discussing death is that it becomes a world capable of embracing life. The holidays and being with others. Loss draws people together, especially today in this age of loneliness, we have support. In an age of drift, we have purpose. We have those who can guide us and those who can sit beside us through the grief to meaning and hope. Those who are mourning need a calmness of soul from those who care for them. What loss cries for is not to be fixed or to be explained, but to be shared and eventually find its way to meaning. When we experience a loss, a hole opens up inside of us. We bleed through that opening, but very slowly the immediate agony subsides and we begin to heal the scar tissue. The hole remains, but instead of allowing only a constant stream of emptying, it begins to permit things to enter. We begin to receive some of the love and wisdom that loss has to give us. This is the time to create meaning. Nothing can make the pain disappear. The loss endures and time will not change that truth. But now it has some purpose. I want to make an analogy to trees. The truth is trees, like people, are fragile. And the tallest tree can be cut down with a few strokes. And there's no better example of this than our own tree, the California sequoia. The California sequoia is one of the largest trees in the world. It's towering. If you've ever visited the forests of Northern California, you're astonished at the height and the girth and the width and the strength of the tree. But here's something that you may not know about the sequoias. Their roots are extremely shallow. A sequoia standing by itself can practically be blown over by a strong wind. It's a giant tree with shallow roots. So how does it survive? It survives because it grows in forests and its roots intertwine with the roots of the other sequoias. 
Together, they are impregnable. Together, you can't knock them down, and that's why we need support. The power of grief and loss is enough to level anyone. We don't lose alone. We hold each other up. We intertwine in our roots. Handling your holidays. It's the holidays, and the world is filled with new growth, color, and cheer. Holiday greetings are spoken. There's so much to do. It's a festive time of year filled with joyous celebrations and family gatherings. But when your family circle has been broken by death, holidays may only serve to remind you of the empty space at the table, the hole in your heart. The holidays are a time when the past and the present collide. We either try to recreate the wonderful memories of our past or clean the slate completely and start all over again. When the family fabric has been torn apart by death, a holiday season becomes one of the most difficult experiences you must endure. The period leading up to the holidays can be filled with despair and renewed grief. Yet the holiday season can also be a time of reflection and renewal, recollection and reconnection. No one can grieve for you. We must each walk the path one footstep at a time. Handling the holidays isn't a matter of eliminating the pain, but rather how do we manage the pain we experience? The most important thing to remember is that it is your time and your grief and do whatever is comfortable and right for you. Your family and friends want to help and perhaps the best gift they could give you is love and patience you need to help you through the season of grief. The following are offered as suggestions for handling your holiday grief. Feelings. Become aware of your feelings and acknowledge them. To me, as a counselor, your feelings are like gold. We can use our feelings like a compass. They tell us what we want and what direction to go. Tears, sadness, anger, guilt, anxiety, and loneliness are all a natural part of grief. These feelings may return again and again, especially during the holiday season, as well as other earlier symptoms you may have experienced during the holidays. They will dissipate more quickly once you acknowledge, understand, share, and embrace them. Do not be afraid or ashamed of your emotions. Here's a few thoughts on tears. There are moments when spoken expressions simply cannot convey the passion in a soul. When words fail us, when we can neither sing nor speak, there are tears. One of the gates of childhood through which we all pass is the gate of tears. Tears prove essential in the first years of life, not only to communicate before we have learned language, but also to signify that which will never yield to utterance. Tears represent another, often deeper level of expression. To a greater or lesser extent, many of us lose the ability to cry, that spontaneous burst of visible pain that tears represent. To be unable to cry bespeaks a tremendous loss. For expressions of both joy and sorrow, tears well up from a sight words cannot reach. Weeping uncovers a tender part of the self, a part that seeks comfort and hopes for healing. As the psalmist writes, they who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Memory. 
One of the things that is remarkable about memory is that when you lose someone you love, your relation to them continues to change. That is, it's a living relation because their legacy unfolds in you and you understand new things as time goes on. So it's a dynamic process. It's not stuck in time. Memories are living parts of us, not photographs fixed in time. They change and grow as we change and as we learn new things. Our loved ones live on in many ways. They live on in our hearts as we remember them. The playwright J.M. Barry said we have memories so that we might have roses in December. That is, even when the leaves have fallen, we can remember their beauty. It's important to remember that there is a duality to memory. Sometimes it feels like a sweet caress and other times like a punch in the gut. Mourning is an important dance with memory and continued connection with the person we love. It's learning to find a way to make peace with it and connect. We cannot replace what has been lost and the pain will remain. However, we will not always hurt so often, but when it does hurt, it's bad. Like a large and powerful wave, we need to go under with it, not fight it, as this will cause us to swallow water and perhaps drown but learn to go under with it, float with it, wait for the waters to calm, and then stand up. We need to focus on those memories that best serve us in our lives and move us forward with peace, with hope, with love, and with strength. We also need to make peace with what cannot be resolved about the person who passed. The memories we tell ourselves, the stories we share and bring forward can shape our lives for better, or for worse. The afterlife of memory is a real thing. Part of the afterlife of memory is the what ifs or should haves. What if I had done this? What if I hadn't done that? I should have said this. I should have said that. Now the what ifs are in your hand. What will you do with it? Don't only carry with you the pain, but also carry with you the promise that you are still here and the debt you owe your loved one is not only memory. It is to live, to continue to create, continue to love, continue to grow. It's more than a debt of pain. So we grieve, but we do not only grieve, we also love and we understand to direct our love not only to those who are gone, but to those who are still here for the brief time that we have the great privilege of the beautiful day to see it, to feel it and to know that it does not last forever. Let us remember our loved ones and pray that their inspiration will enrich our lives, elevate our souls, soften our hearts, and draw us closer to ourselves and to those whom we love. Tools. Enough sleep. Sufficient duration and quality. Proper sleep sets a foundation for the proper emotional tone to be able to navigate physical, psychological, and other types of challenges. Time outside, especially early in the day, sunlight resets your circadian rhythm and gives you energy for the day ahead and helps you get a better night's sleep. Also, avoiding bright lights from artificial sources in the evening and trying to dim your lights in in your environment at night, such as bright screens, bright artificial lights. Being with others, that brings us peace staying away from others that bring us anxiety. If you don't love it, say no to it. 
If drawn to someone, go forward. Be with people you love, doing things you love. Prioritize what matters most. There is a difference between being alone and being lonely. We sometimes can make our deepest connections alone. Alone time can be scrumptious. Learning from others, good nutrition, delicious meals, your attitude towards uncontrollable things and the amount of energy they siphon off, pressure is unnecessary. The grieving process is hard, not only emotionally, but cognitively, to move through grief properly. It's thinking about and physically experiencing the depth, full depth of the attachment to the person, while at the same time being anchored in the fact that we are present, we are the person in that room. Learning to navigate that knife-edge feeling, that intense attachment, while also disengaging. If possible, set aside 15 to 45 minutes of rational grieving, which is clear acceptance of the new reality that the person is no longer exists in the same space and time and dimensionality that we knew them before, and yet hold on to the anchoring, the attachment. We distance ourselves from those expectations that led us to look for the person in our current reality, that yearning, that anticipation. Some part of you knows it leads to nowhere. It's that reaching for a glass of water in a kind of desert of thirst, and you know that you can't have it, why it hurts so much. This is difficult cognitive work to hold on to the past while trying to experience the deep emotional attachment while at the same time severing from or distancing ourselves from the expectations that they'll suddenly show up in our reality. So in these 15 to 45 minutes, think about the attachment in a rich way. Experience it in your brain and body and orient yourself in the current space and time rather than focus on what you would have liked to have seen happen or wish was still here, while at the same time thinking about the depth and richness of the attachment. It's a tightrope walk. It is emotionally challenging. Grief is like a phantom limb. Many who experience an amputation of a limb will feel in a very real and genuine way that the limb is still present, even though when they look for the limb, it's not there. They can feel real pain in the limbs and the sensation of touch, and that can be intrusive. Where our loved ones are, whatever you believe, soul, spirit, energy, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, molecules to molecules, but some firm representation of where they are helps. The emotional bond is still there while letting go is hard. No what ifs, no delusions. More tools. Be gentle with yourself. Grief hurts. Be kind and patient. Let go of the oughts and shoulds. Try to forgive yourself for surviving the death of your loved one. Find someone to work out the guilt you may experience. If you enjoy a moment or two during the holidays, allow it to flow through you and let those warm memories surround you now. Make lists. The bereaved often can't remember things, so make lists of everything you have to do. Ask yourself the following questions about everything on your list. 
Do you enjoy this? Do others expect me to do this? Can someone else do this? What would happen if it didn't get done? Change things. Have a dinner celebration at a different time or place. Attend a different party, service, or dinner. Ask others to help or take over hosting the holidays. Share your holidays with others in need. Visit a nursing home, daycare center, or humane society. Volunteer at a soup kitchen or shelter. Invite a child to go for a walk. Take a friend shopping. Plan a special moment or memorial. Order a special bouquet for your church, temple, or mosque. Or give a book to a nursing home, library, or school in your loved one's memory. Plant a tree in the yard or place a favorite flower on your breakfast table or mantle. Keep your loved one's picture where you can see them often. Mention your loved one or shared memories during the dinner as your family gathers to celebrate. Have an empty seat or chair. Acknowledge it. Make it a place of honor. Find something to be thankful for. Think of everything your loved one shared, love, happiness, joy, laughter. Write these gifts on paper and keep them somewhere close to you. Read a note each night. Place the written notes in a memory book. Keep them under your pillow or in a secret place. Wherever you place them, know that these small pieces of paper are tangible evidence that someone lived and loved us and that we are rich beyond measure because of the gifts they shared with us. Light a candle. Light a special candle in celebration and gratitude for your loved one's life. This can be done on the eve of the holiday of the year that is significant for you and your loved one. Know that you carry this light within you always. No light that was born in love can ever be extinguished. This is a journey through pain in three stages, surviving, healing, and growing. It's an exploration of pain's fierce, liberating, sorrowful, comforting, ugly, beautiful truths, the deepest truths, the truth that when we must endure, we can endure, that we can be good even when we cannot be happy, and that the sun rises no matter how dark the night. I have concluded if there is meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. We need to live so that our pain has meaning. There is something therapeutically healthy about making loss matter. The more you learn to make your loss matter, the more you will be able to be strong enough to make others' loss matter. I carry the strength and wisdom to summon courage when I experience hardship. I use it to guide others towards a positive path, find the strength to get through suffering and dealing with the next phase of their life, whatever that may be. May your loved ones continue to be with you. May they bless you and inspire you to goodness in death as they did in life. Thank you so much for your presence and for our meaningful collaboration and connection. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Randy Wren and her work, please visit sacredspiritcounseling.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.